0: The sponsor for the Shepherd's Script podcast for the month of June is The Majesty's Men. The Majesty's Men is a multifaceted venture for maximizing men by glorifying God together. Themajesty'smen.com focuses on creating content and community for men with an evangelical, reformed, and complementarian perspective on issues we face and roles we fulfill as men of God in our society. The Majesty's Men hosts the Honor God Network, which focuses on content and ministry from men of God. The Honor God Network takes the massive infrastructure and premium tools of themajesty'smen.com and shares them with exemplary men of God who are faithfully, boldly, and winsomely serving others and engaging society with the gospel of Jesus Christ via their personal blogs and podcasts or other projects and ministries. The Majesty's Men then assist in the management and upkeep of the site so everyone can continue doing what they're doing with excellence. A membership on one site gives you access to all the sites in the network and many blogs, podcasts, resources and projects and other partner ministries that are in the works. Learn more, join in and contribute at themajestysmen.com. Learn more about the Honor God Network and see if you and your work may be a good fit to join by simply typing hnr.gd into your browser. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel and resources for pastors. You can get more information at the shepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crick podcast. We've got a special episode today with our, our friends, and Jordan's with us today. Jordan, say hey. Hey. And our friends, Mason and Bree Scroggins. So hey guys.
1: Hey. Hey
2: guys.
0: <laughs> All right. So this is gonna be interesting because we have kids running around the house. We're eating chocolate bread. And Very good
1: at chocolate bread. Good,
0: good chocolate bread. Thank you, Joby. We'll put those. Uh, put that recipe. We'll have to put that recipe in the show notes, okay, right? Okay. No seriously. This is gonna be a full show notes. It is gonna be full show notes. <laughs> oh, got it. What but the thing is, I'm, I'm
1: look, he's got his phone out with notes. <laughs> so
0: I, I normally talk about show notes and then forget them to actually put them in the show notes. So hopefully, does anyone I ever look at those anymore? I, not that I do. I it. do. Nobody's, yes. I've never I show
3: always. Notes. Yes. I sometimes look at show notes. I
1: do a lot. All right, guys. We're gonna pray,
0: and then we're gonna get into a few questions. I think you're gonna have a lot of fun, everybody out there listening, um, just uh, in this conversation with our friends, and uh, we'll just ask for the Lord's help as we always do, and trust that He's gonna give it. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for for your grace. I thank you for the uh, the common grace that we share, and uh, Lord, the um, specific grace that we share, the special grace, which is. Uh, uh, the fact that we know your favors upon us. Jesus, you came for us, you rescued us, you've forgiven us of our sins, and uh, you've called us by name and we're yours. And so we come to celebrate that fact and just talk about you. When we think through these questions um, and, uh, and work through these, God, I pray you'd give us clarity and that we'd just be having fun. And for everybody that's listening, I pray they would have a good time as well. And I trust God that you're going to lead us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, Mason, Bree, we know you well. But our listeners don't know you very well, so tell us a little bit, tell our listeners a little bit about the Scroggins family. We are the Scroggins. (laughs) Um
2: don't even know where to start. Do we start? Your name, what's your name? My name okay. is David Mason Scroggins, son of David Brian Scroggins, son of David William Scroggins, son of David Earl Scroggins. <laughs> okay. We're all Davids around here. Very yeah. thorough. Uh, I don't have a son yet, so I don't have a David yet. Okay. I have two daughters. Uh, we have a Nora Scroggins, uh, who is three years old, and we have Evangeline, who is nine months old? Nine today. months old today, I guess. Um, And I have my wife, who is also here with me. I've only been at
1: Scroggins for five years, so. (laughs) You're
2: thoroughly Scroggins now. I am. We live here in Evansville, Indiana, where we're currently um, podcasting, recording. Uh, this is our first podcast. Yeah, we're first so podcast. Successful. I think I tried the, the right podcast things. a friend a long time ago, and it, we never posted it. it was <laughs> <laughs> I've never
1: done one. <laughs>
2: uh, so, yeah, we're here at our dining room table. Um, we're doing ministry here in Evansville. I just got voted on as an elder in our church, uh, Providence Church here in Evansville, Indiana. Um, and I'll be installed soon. I don't have an installation date, so we're doing life here uh, and loving every minute of me.
0: So our... Jordan actually is known. How long have you known Mason and Brie? Longer than I. Gosh, know.
3: since high school. So oh, oh, my hands are so roughy. Uh, <laughs> since did. high school, which has been many moons ago now, uh, maybe fifteen years. Yeah, gosh. probably fifteen years now. Yeah. So
0: we're all yep. getting older.
3: Yeah, that's what that yeah. means. Yeah, um, yeah. I knew Mason and Brie before you did. Jared, you did. So that's I
1: claimed them. Yeah.
0: So we really got to know them, though. Well, I I really got to know them because you guys came and were a part of our church. You were driving from literally an hour away.
1: Yeah, an hour and seven minutes, I think, was it, every week. Okay. I had it down. (laughs) and It was awesome. But It It was was awesome. It was worth it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it was. It was a lot of fun. But there was this, like, okay, there was this theological turmoil that you were going through as God was kind of doing some things in your life, Mason. And then you guys actually left the church. You grew up in a lot of great people there, a lot of people that love the Lord. But uh, you're kind of leading in the direction. You felt like the Holy Spirit was leading you out of there. And then we connected, and, I mean, you kind of had this... Like, do like, what is the Reformed theology? And then yep. after the initial shock or the duct tape getting ripped off, like, everybody else, about what is this? Falling down the
2: reformational stairway. Yeah, and then it's like,
0: you know, uh, uh what is it, Alice in Wonderland, you just go in with the the rabbit hole and you just never come out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we connected our church for a couple of years and then you went Presbyterian. You <laughs> went don't Presbyterian.
1: Don't oh. for our oh, <laughs> we were just hoping you guys would come. Oh.
0: It's not over yet. <laughs> oh, so we have these meetings with Mason and you know, we're going to quote unquote fix him and you know, he's going to quote unquote fix us. <laughs> and it was great. And there's tongue in cheek stuff now, but the same, you know, kind of squabbles that Baptists and Presbyterians have. Okay, we had those. But Mason, you were also feeling this call to ministry. Like, So right. can I take us back and some of our listeners back into this kind of internal call of, you know, into ministry and what that was like? Right. So me. at that point, it was
2: very much internal call, having um, just thoughts about what that would be like. I had preached um, at our youth group a couple times through a sermon series just on generally the Bible um, and how it's God's manual uh, for Christianity, how we walk through this life that God's given us. Um, So I did that and it evoked a lot of uh, good feelings in me, um, exciting feelings, um, and I kind of just left them there, Um, but then started talking with you and just reading a lot more, reading, 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 was a big part of it and understanding that um, the call doesn't always happen uh, like some people think it does, where there's some pastor comes and picks a kid off and says, you're the next pastor, um, it's a lot more complicated than that. Uh, so just working through all those internal thoughts, so there's, there's two sides to being called to ministry. There's the internal call and the external call. So most of it started with weird little thoughts uh, about internal call and then all um, more as uh, more time went on, it started to be more external. Callable people, people would say, "Well, I really enjoyed hearing you preach. Um, I really enjoyed uh, talking with you about those things, learning from you. I was discipling young men that were um, learning a lot. There was a lot of fruitfulness happening." So. Um, it was just neat to see God work in my life um, in a very different way than I thought was normal calling to ministry, and it's still yeah. it's still being worked out. Um, obviously, I haven't been installed yet as an elder, and I don't feel that um, where I'm at right now is all that God has for me. I believe that there's still more um, to go, so it's, yeah. it's still a process. Um, I believe that uh, being called to ministry, there's different roles in ministry, but eldership um, I believe is a very qualified role Uh, you can't just walk into that you have to be well qualified part of that is education and training and in our denomination that is a little more extensive so i'm still working with that
0: yeah well i mean it's been a high cost like this calling has been a high cost cost to you because it's required you and brie To really think through, you know, in Baptist circles, you can just kind of get a group of ordained guys together and say, Hey, I want to be ordained. And then two weeks later, in some circles, be ordained. Right. I literally asked a pastor, Hey, will you ordain me? And then about a month later, he ordained me. But that's not the case. There's been a high cost. I mean, it's required. It's
1: been a process. It's been a
0: process. So, talk a little bit about that. and then there's something else, as you're talking, I'm going to be kind of not listening to you because I'm going to be thinking about um, something else I wanted to ask. So tell us a little bit about that process then. So from that feeling, that internal call, I mean, you guys have now moved to Evansville, right. you're connected with this church, and there's been a cost there. I mean, it, it's been hard. Right, right. Um, yeah, so nothing works fast in
2: Presbyterianism. Um, if there's anything to learn from Presbyterianism, is that nothing goes fast and as planned. There's it's lots like of quibbles along the way, and... Discussions, lots and lots of discussions. Um, So yeah, um, we were worshiping at your church, um, then we decided to leave. That was a hard decision, knowing where to go, because there weren't very many uh, Reformed churches in our area, Reformed in the sense that we were wanting Presbyterian uh, Reformed. So we finally got in contact with the church that we're at now, Providence Church, um, and we we began worshiping there, and how long were we there? About a... Maybe not even a year before we decided that it was time to move.
1: Not even a year.
2: Yeah, so we weren't even there a year. Um, We realized that biblical community doesn't look like driving an hour every week to meet one time and then leave. Um, It was something that was going to be a lot more robust than that, especially um, an elder role. You can't shepherd the flock if you're not with the flock. Uh, so we had to, we had to move. So that was a hard move. All my family lived in the area. Um, we literally had grandparents like two miles
0: away. House that you built with your own hands, blood, That's sweat, tears. I didn't just build the house. <laughs> we well, we've done, done a lot of renovation. <laughs> yeah, so we're very home-centered. We
1: were debt-free.
0: Yeah, we were
2: debt-free. Um, we are we very home-centered. So we put yeah. a lot of time, work, um, physical, sweat, and just brute force into this house. We'd really put a lot of work into it. I loved it. Had a sweet office and there was a lot of cool things about it in a small little town of 300 people. And had family Um, literally on all Yeah, family all around us. Yeah, Yeah. so it was just a lot more comfortable there. Very, very
1: comfortable. It was the definition of comfortable. Yeah, yeah.
2: So we were very complacent there. Um, And then God called us to Evansville um, of all places, we knew of Evansville. Evansville wasn't just some random city to us; we were familiar with it. So God called us there. Um, where am I at in the story? Oh yeah, this is the story of my calling, not just our move to Evansville. Yeah, but no, like the, the, cost. Yes. I mean, cost so, so the cost. it cost you. So the cost, the cost of moving to Evansville was moving away from all of our family. Uh, moving away from a really comfortable house that was already paid off. We were completely debt-free, not just house, cars, everything. We had no debt. It was a
1: big step of faith. And it was really working out the Scripture, leave your brother, your mother, your father, your your daughter, and you know what, leave them and follow Christ. That Scripture never made sense to me until we did this. Yeah,
2: and it wasn't that... Literally didn't make sense to me. (laughs) It wasn't that we cut them off and like, no no more mom, dad, I'll never see you again. But it was very hard... Because we're not just home-centered, we're also very big on family. So having the patriarchs of our family an hour away was hard for us. At our Easter and Christmas and all those get-togethers, there's like near 100 people. There. Yes. wow. All the family comes. We love each other dearly. There's not big family fights and stuff. So it was hard to move away because they all kind of saw us as like leaving the group. Um, but it wasn't that. We still go back and visit all the right. time. So. There's, that was one of the big costs. Um, so there was the financial cost. We bought this house here. You can't just go buy a house with cash like you can in Omaha. Um, <laughs> it it, it costs a little more. Now, remember, Omaha, Illinois folks. not like 300, Yeah, Illinois. 300 people. 300. Yeah. Um, so we moved from a nothing town that had a, a gas station to a town, a city of 120,000 people. Um, so that was a big switch for me. I grew up in a woods, literally in a woods You couldn't see any neighbors around, and yeah, so... And I thought it was
1: going to be easy for me, because I had literally, by the time I was 21, lived in 21 homes. So, but it wasn't easy for me. It was hard.
2: This is my
0: third home. Okay.
1: (laughs) This is like my 25th. (laughs) I grew
0: up in a home. I moved out on my own into Omaha, and now we're here. Yeah. Yeah. So your growing up was the definition, Mason, of like stability and consistency, and I'm sure the worst was... Some stable things, Bree, but it was just, it was always yeah. changing, moving and, and all that. So yeah, there was not
1: things. very much stability, but when you throw kids in the mix, it's a lot harder. So now that I'm yeah. a mom and have my own kids, I didn't realize moving was going to be as difficult as it okay. was.
0: Right. All right, got to get to some country stuff in a little bit because I want to ask you about Hagen, and seriously, <laughs> we want people to know about this thing called Hagen. But uh, first, okay, you girls don't know that I'm going to ask you this, but we have as couples, like we, we kind of called Mason and Bree our little brother and sister for a little while <laughs> yes. because there's so many similar things we feel like about them. And we just pick up where we left off when we get together with them. But when we first got married, Jordan and I, theologically, we had just some hot button issues that we were working through. And it was really hard. Things like on, on, from election to uh, mainly everything dealing with soteriology and just all things that go with that. But uh, we worked through those things, but mainly because not I, you know, I would try to fix her and send her sermons and all this kind of stuff, but God I'd never
3: listened to them. Right,
0: and and I always thought that was I was fun, the one, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I always kind of thought that I was the one that was going to really be helping her. And she ended up helping me in so many ways, straightening out some theology for me. But really, it was just God at work in our lives, bringing us together in so many ways. But you guys have a little bit similar of a story where theologically God was doing some stuff in you, Mason, it seems like a little bit before Bree. I don't want to speak for you, but also in me before Jordan. And then there was a little bit of tension there. And I think some of our listeners may be in that similar situation where they're husbands and wives, uh, maybe uh, a guy's going through seminary, and there's just some tension there. And it may kind of be bubbling up and about to explode at any moment. But a lot of times it, it's highly emotive. it's Those theological squabbles can just can kind of blow up. And then either it can be suppressed or it's just fighting all the time. We just never talk about it. So talk about that with you guys because it sounded like a little bit similar story where God kind of brought you together theologically in a lot of different things, right? Um, yeah, I think we're really relatable in the sense that you said you learned a lot
2: from Jordan going through it. Um, a lot of... Um, learning takes place when you're leading so when you try to lead your wife and uh, lead them you realize that you're not the best leader at times <laughs> <laughs> so
0: a lot of that was just you're, you're not responding good. honey come on here right. Look, i'm more, loving you so well like christ loved the church right,
1: right? You i need know? to relate this to my relationship with the right now <laughs> it's, it's a lot more than
2: just sliding a book to someone and saying this is what we're doing um it's a lot of prayer it's a lot of true love and sacrifice not love in the sense that you're just being mushy all the time but like actually putting in the time to think and pray (laughs) on behalf of your loved one um, when they are trying to do the same things with you um, but really taking leadership in that um, taking the role of headship um, so that whole idea so part of it on my end was bad um, delivery i was still learning about a lot of the things um, that I was presenting to her, so I was presenting them in a bad way. Um, so like Calvinism, that, that was like the biggest one. You can do a lot of damage as a cage stage Calvinist. And luckily my wife didn't run off. Um, she stayed with me and was uh, faithful to me through my <laughs> cage staging. Um,
1: and I never cage stage. <laughs> she, you know, she never
2: cage staged, I And a lot of it was just guess. bad presentation and just a lot of just frustration at the way that I was raised and I think a lot of Calvinists get aggravated their upbringing if they weren't raised Calvinist um, and they shouldn't necessarily be mad at their old pastor or mad at their dad or whatever uh, for not raising them that way because a lot of it is just learning people don't genuinely don't know um, the biblical teachings about what God's Word says. They haven't thought through those issues, so you can't be mad at them if they've never even had the ideas confronted to them. Yeah. Um, so just being patient with people has been the biggest thing I've and learned. And you
1: were so zealous at that time. He was just Zeal learning. without knowledge. Yes, yeah. learning and learning and learning. And like, I had literally prayed that he would be a reader because he hated reading before we got married. Gave him the book Wild at Heart and then something sparked and he started reading. It was just God and prayers being answered. But um, he was learning so much, and then, like he said, delivery was bad. Whereas I grew up in a more um, traditional, I guess I was I was raised Baptist. So when I came to traditional
2: Baptist, yeah, right. yeah. So
1: so a lot of these thinkings and theologies were not totally vague from me, but I just. The communication. I didn't understand theology in a the sense, like, if you're going to bring up a big term to me, if you're going to say eschatology, I'm going to say, what the heck is that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're going to say Calvinism, I'm going to be like, well, what it, you know, I just, I didn't understand the terms as much as I just understood where that in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a lot of communication. I think that's the biggest thing, though, is staying in communication without getting your feelings hurt, yes. without taking offense, mm. not taking it personal, even within a marriage. Even within parenting, don't take it personal. Communicate about it in a nice way, and you'll be all right. Stick it out. (laughs) Baby, what do you got? Be on each other's team.
0: (laughs) I like that. Be on each other's team. Again, there there we go. That's some good stuff for the show notes right there. Baby, what what do you got?
3: Uh, I think also just being humble and willing to learn. Um, Because for Jared and I, whenever we first got married... I mean, we're both very type A personalities, so whenever we fight, like, neither one is the complacent one.
1: You don't relent. <laughs> yeah, neither one of us relent. I'd really like to see an argument, then. <laughs> No, you wouldn't. <laughs>
3: um, so whenever we first got married and we were working through some of these um, things with Reformed theology and stuff, I feel like we both were doing a lot of yelling and a lot of trying to prove our point to make ourselves the right ones. Um, rather than really listening to each other and wanting to learn and help, um, and then ultimately, I think just trusting the Lord. Um, okay, Jared's doing random things with chords and telling me to keep talking. So, <laughs> don't. Get if we can edit this, um, okay. I was just gonna say I think ultimately trusting the Lord because for in our relationship, what really um, changed my heart and my thoughts was not the perfect conversation that we had, but it was. Um, reading god's word and god just breaking me and um, showing me the truth of his word um through reading romans 8 and 9 at the time so yeah um, do you remember that night when you I walked knew. into our bedroom and i was like uh so i think you made me right about a couple things yeah. i remember that story um, and it was just literally through reading romans 8 and 9 on my own it was um obviously seeds that god was planting all along through our relationship and sanctifying me through conversations but ultimately his word um, refines us
0: yeah well, I think you guys both. I mean, I think everybody around here is saying the same thing. With husbands and wives in ministry, whether you're early in ministry or been walking this road for a while, gathering around the Bible and just letting the Word do the work yes. is the best thing possible. Yeah. And especially for young, zealous guys who care about your wife, or you know, maybe there's a wife listening who's on the other end. She's like, "Well, I'm, I'm trying to wrestle through these biblical things with my husband." Who um, you know who seems to be kind of uh, slower in this thing or like we're just off on some things if you can just gather around the word yeah. stay reading the bible and just yeah. go with the word god does the work you know it brings yeah. unity Don't try
3: to convert anyone to a word like calvinism or something yeah. right. cultivate a love of yeah. the word exactly it's really good the word the bible not the word calvinism just to clarify
0: <laughs> okay here's here's what i admire about you ladies jordan first my wife obviously but Br- brie also the home really not just seems to be a value but is a value and so Mason and Bree since we're kind of interviewing you and then Joby jump in here anytime too uh, because Jordan's the one that has said to me on multiple occasions that your home seems to be a place of peace that things seem to be peaceful Um, how does that happen does it just
3: happen? It's or, it just happen. Okay. Yeah.
1: Doesn't just happen. No. This is it's, actually an interesting question for this season of
2: life. It's definitely intentional, um, and it's also not just by hard work. It's God's grace. It's something that we pray for. It's something that literally comes out almost every prayer that we pray in this house. That it would be a joyous time um, that we would have peace in our home because it doesn't come naturally homes don't naturally tend towards order they tend towards disorder and that's just part of the whole mandate that we were given in creation to work our gardens and keep them so part of being a man a human is cultivating the things that god has given us so we've been given this piece of property this house and to be good Christians, to be good stewards of what we've been given. This is a gracious thing that we've been given. Even though we paid for it and are paying for it, it's still God's grace. Um, We're called to cultivate it and to work it and keep it. And that looks like a lot of different things. It doesn't just look like uh, mowing the grass every week and leaving things as is, maintaining. I think that it goes further than that, that we should be working towards improvement all the time on our homes, on our lives, um, everything that has to do with us and this, these things God has given us, um, I think that we have to be um, actively praying, striving towards um, perfection. We know that we're never going to be perfect here as um, fallen uh, human beings, but we should be working towards order. I think that that's what the kingdom of God is about, just bringing out God's will here on earth, um, through our lives, God's given us these things. We want things to be done here on earth as they are in heaven. We take that quite literally around here. And uh, another part of our prayers is that simple prayer of the Lord's Prayer, keeping things here the way that they should be. Uh, we know that we've messed things up through sin, but we're trying to put them back in order through God's grace. He's called us to be ministers of reconciliation, um, and we do that through our home, through our church, all the things that we're involved in. We're working actively to do that. So yeah, home is really important to us and the whole household idea, just household and like our, our household is an economy if you think of it in those kind of terms. The word economy actually comes from the word household, oikos in Greek, is household. So we're here... Building up our small little economies, and really, if you think about it, the greater economy is all based on the household. So, we have to get it right here first. If we want the world to be changed at all, um, if we want anything to be working towards. Um, God's kingdom here on earth, right now. God reigning in the hearts of man. If we want that to go anywhere, we have to be actively working towards that, not just sitting around waiting. If for you it to want happen.
1: world peace, you need home peace. <laughs> it uh, starts right. in the
4: home.
1: Right. And I will say too. So in our at our old house, it was very easy to make things peaceful. We did all of our work before our kids came. Our house was just more. It doesn't come naturally, but it was just easier. It was more comfortable. It was easy to foster when we moved. We got uprooted. We were homeless for a while. Then when we lived in here, we lived in one room. Things were chaotic. We were literally on the
2: streets. When
1: we were <laughs> no, we were there. We were <laughs> a bridge. We didn't we have a broken. home to live in right yeah. Praise the Lord. You're we a had a down by yeah. the river. <laughs> we had actually bought a house, but we weren't living in it. Yeah, so but things were not peaceful, surroundings were not peaceful. But the Lord I even wrote a blog about this not too long ago. The Lord put it in the show notes was really Yeah. Yeah. The Lord was really faithful to show me that peace having a peaceful Mm -hmm. home doesn't start in your home, it starts in your heart and then it overflows. So what's in your I'm a big believer that the things around you you Your things should portray what's in your heart. Mm -hmm. But those things aren't the end in and of themselves. So yeah, your house could look great, but your heart could be really messy. But if your heart is really great, then your house should be too. It should be a cozy place. It should have some sort of structure. It should have a dinner table that your kids come around and have food and fun and laughter and talk about the Bible and that kind of thing. And the scripture, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God for the peace that surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's been my prayer this whole past year and a half because it's been a crazy year, and at peace does not come naturally to me like it used to. I've not been as patient as I could be, but the Lord's faithful. Like Mason said, it's it's a lot of prayer. It's a lot of being intentional because if not your house won't be peaceful. Right. And like you said,
2: <laughs> it's it's really important to stress the importance of the heart. The heart is yeah. the the big thing that makes the change. It's not you can't force um, a house to be orderly without hearts actually being working okay. in that same direction. It's the same way with the whole world. I mean, yeah. you're not going to get world peace through perfect government. You yeah. have to have hearts. we demanding to it. it, right? Yeah. You, you can't. Just you will it. have peace. Right. It, so it really does. It all starts in the the heart. The heart gets changed. The household gets changed by the heart being changed, and the. Greater economy, of the world can be changed out. through the yeah right yeah. through the the church, the ministry of the church. The hearts have to be right there, um, and the household has to be doing things orderly and godly, and things have to be glorified to Him, not just for man's glory. We can't just be working to get things orderly for the sake of orderliness. It has to yeah.
0: be right. for God's glory. So so goes the heart, so goes the home, so goes the church, so goes the world.
4: Yes. Okay.
0: So when you see so issues, good. trace that back. Okay, where are the back issues? In. Our son is trying there's to the hit kids. me. Yes, there's the kids. This is life, folks. Okay, we you love two, children.
1: We do. <laughs> you
0: girls are, are two of the best homemakers that I personally know. Jordan is an incredible homemaker. Jordan, for you, why is homemaking so like? Why is the home and peace at our home? Why is that so important?
3: Well, I think because you talked about, um, I was just thinking, as you guys were saying, which is, I mean, the fact that the home affects so many other things, which is why the enemy has such an attack on the home and, and, and deceiving so many women and thinking that the home is of no importance and that importance is elsewhere. And I am um, I just read Perilandra, so it's on my mind. But, um, C.S. Lewis. In, by C.S. Lewis, the segment of the Space Trilogy. But in that book, it's surprising to me how... The book was written in 1944, and um, it's surprising how the tactics of the enemy that he uses against the woman um, are so, I mean, it was the same then, it's the same today, it was the same in the Garden of Eden. Um, The enemy is trying to tell us that significance is not where God tells us to be and um, that fruitfulness is not at the home, but it is. um, That fruitfulness is in the home, and our work that we are doing in the home does affect culture and it affects the world, um, and that we need to remind ourselves of that, and that's why the home is important to me, and uh, should be important to all Christian women. That's good.
0: Um, All right, we are gonna pretty significantly switch gears here. You'll know why in just a second. So we've got like three more questions, and uh, two, are one is kind of theological, one is somewhat controversial, and one is just fun. <laughs> so, what in the world is hogging? <laughs> I knew
1: that one was coming.
0: And why in the world do you do it?
1: I will never do it because I will never the do it fish either. will eat me. They I are nev- my size. They're your size.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: Mason. Hogging may be unfamiliar. Wait, wait, wait.
0: Is it hogging or is it hogging?
2: Whatever. Is there a G?
1: If you're extra country, it's hogging. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I think Southern hogging. Illinois
2: most of the time leaves off the G. It's just hogging. Okay, hogging. Yeah. Um, a lot of other people call it noodling. I've so heard that. I've probably heard probably more that. familiar yeah. with most yeah. people. It's illegal here in Indiana, so I don't do it here. Oh. Um,
0: yeah. So, Indiana... So is there's... Illegal. Wait a minute. There's one area in which Indiana is more regulated than <laughs> Illinois. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> Bizarre. <laughs> um, yeah, so
2: it's legal in Illinois. So noodling, hogging, whatever you want to call it, is basically where you go to a body of water um, and you find holes underneath the body of water, usually in oh, three, four, sometimes five, six foot um, feet of water. Usually not over six foot because you don't want to get in much. You don't want to die. You don't want to die. It's a hole
1: it in dirt danger
3: or in a rock.
2: Usually in rock. Okay. Um, it'll be like up under a rock. The holes are where catfish.
3: Um,
2: Go and spawn. They will burrow out a hole with their tail. Um, you can't see because it's, it's a podcast, but they will flap their tail. Or
3: using uh, a hand motion.
1: Yeah.
2: To yeah. Or they will burrow out a big flapping hole. Flapping tail. And the holes we're talking about are not fish sized They're like
1: they are like armed. me and Jordan. Like these fish are literally Jordan and I are yeah. little girls. We'll, they are not, our size. I'll them. send you a picture,
0: Jerry, of Some of the fish. I mean, to be touched. clear, Jordan and Bree are women, but they're little <laughs> but
1: women. But we are like thirteen-year-old children. <laughs>
0: Very little. Jared,
3: Another send, reason why we are like sisters. She's my little sister. Yeah. Exactly.
2: I'm going to send you a picture to put in the show notes. Okay,
0: good. This the, is this is my dad and the picture. He don't care. And correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there a time that you went hogging where your brother held onto your legs while you went all the <laughs> way under the water to grab? Like a 20-pound 20 fa- 20 catfish or something oh, a like that. pounder is small. Okay, it's like really a 50-pound catfish. I'm not kidding. They're like yeah. our
4: size.
0: 50, 60
2: pounds. A bree-sized uh, catfish. I don't remember him holding my legs. But,
0: yeah, so Maybe you we got to the hole. You go you still your stick memory. your... Because I've told that story a bunch, and it included your brother holding your legs as you're completely oh, full good. body submerged under the water. Grabbing around, a like, uh, hundred pound catfish. That sounds like a good story. I just leave it like okay.
4: that.
2: Uh, yeah, so the holes are where the catfish go, they burrow out, they get inside there and they spawn, which is laying eggs. Um, so you're going to reach your arm in the hole, you feel around, you feel this big slimy thing that is a catfish. Um, and you stick your hand in its mouth if it will let you and you grab it by the mouth the gills whatever way you can get it and you usually burrow your arm up about elbow high that's how big these fish are um and
0: you grab them and you wrap your body around them and pull them out and that sounds terrifying i told my i asked my uncle john who's like a real avid fisherman one time if he's ever been hogging and he looked at me his eyes got real big and he's like oh no Oh no, you got to be a man to do that. Oh no. <laughs> so he, he like had mad respect for you immediately. Uh, but anyways, so this is the kind of cloth that, that Mason is cut from here. He, uh, he can go hogging and he's not scared of it. Uh, Okay, so that was the one fun question. Now, let's get into a little bit of controversy. Uh, And it shouldn't be controversial, but uh, there is a family you've been telling about for years. And I I have to admit that the first time I read a book by this gentleman is probably 10 years ago now. And I've read a few books along the way, probably five or six of his books, but never really got into uh, reading the works of this family. But since November of last year, and there was a reason why of November of last year, some of you may have remembered the No Quarter November from the blog and May blog, DougWills.com, And I really decided last year, after hearing over and over again, Doug Wilson's a racist and all this kind of stuff about Doug Wilson, well, I'm gonna go straight to the heart. So I went and read Black and Tan, read a bunch of stuff about, about Doug Wilson, and I, I immediately concluded, he's not racist, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and he doesn't believe in justification by works, that's ridiculous. And really loved just a man who, uh, by principle, would not just be a jerk for being a jerk's sake, but principally was principle, uh, principally, principally, prin, uh, principle. by principle was on the offense. Christianity <laughs> on offense, and that really, uh, it was refreshing. It was uh, throw away the caveats, throw away the qualifications, and let's just speak the truth. But you guys have been reading The Wilson Family and Jordan's been reading. I mean, how awesome is oh like, the What Happy Podcast been? Yeah.
3: I've gone down the Wilson Family rabbit hole. Once so it to- started, 2019? I know. We're Actually, totally like obsessed. Every book I've read is by someone in the Wilson Family in Right. So we have
0: some confessional Baptists in, in uh, Southern Illinois that love The Wilsons and uh, don't listen to our Scott Clark. Um, but So yes, I dropped his name in this. But uh, anyways, um, but why, why do you love the Wilson family so much?
2: Uh, I love the Wilson family because they're Presbyterians um, that are happy. Yeah. You, you find some kind of happy Presbyterians sometimes. <laughs> Uh, but most of the time they're pretty old. Um, they're pretty crotchety. As
4: the you
2: gave me that term, you said but something. You smart. said old crotchety Presbyterian one time. I, I did. I think that, that's, okay. just, that's just Presbyterian. That's not just old crotchety. It's just Presbyterian. So
0: yeah, they're just really happy. To uh, be fair, there's a lot of old crotchety Baptist. Uh, yeah, I've got like a hundred names that come to my mind. Yeah. Right
2: so so yeah, I just was really attracted to him because of his joy. Joy is very attractive to me. Um, and I think it's attractive to everyone, honestly, but it's especially attractive to me. And it was really neat to see him living out his theology. He's said um, many times b- before that theology comes out through your fingertips. Yeah. And that quote by him is just really like, oh, wow. So, yeah, theology actually does not just inform but transform um, our lives, our thinking, what we do. And yeah. he's lived that out fantastically. Uh, the, the church he lives in loves him. Um, they follow his lead as the pastor, and not only has his church uh, really benefited from his ministry, but his whole town has. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know many pastors that have transformed, it's it's God's work, it's not just the pastor, I, I want to give God glory in this, but uh, Doug Wilson's town of Moscow has been transformed through his ministry, and it's just really amazing to see the kingdom of God actually working in that way, like it actually does work out. Like it doesn't just stay within the walls of the church. Yeah, you see great churches every once in a while in a city, but it a lot of times stays in the church. Like the the city hasn't changed at all. And a lot of times a big church will come through and they'll ruin a city. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just been really neat to look at his ministry over there. I've never been to the town, but just seeing how like Christian businesses have popped up, um, things that have been uh, redeemed from culture. Like I think they have a Christian pub there that is one of the members of the church
0: I've been is the like cool. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> we we're recommended to go there by the concierge at the is it concierge? Yeah. At the concierge yeah. Yeah, yeah, the concierge or whatever yeah. at the hotel. We ask uh where would we go that would be a cool place that we would enjoy and she's like, Well you guys look kinda young and <laughs> you should go downtown to this pub called you know whatever <laughs> it's called, I forget. I don't right? know. Tap, tap room. Yep yep. That's it. Yeah. So yeah and
1: family too. Yeah. And right. Like, yeah. So there's just so much fruitfulness. Like the gospels, Jesus talks about so much. You will know them by their fruit. And I just think of the Wilsons, and just their fruit is evident. How yeah. can you? How can you argue that? Yeah. You can't. Right. You can't it's
2: not just uh, this idea, this hypothetical. If you do this, this might work. It's. This is what we're doing. This is the fruit we've got, and we have it here to show you. If you want to look at it, come yeah. come visit us. We'd love to have dinner with you. Yeah, they'll invite basically anyone to come have dinner with them um, and invite them into their home. And I, I want to be that like that kind of person. I want to be hospitable. I want to be excited about doing ministry and. Just all of life. He's just a, a really neat person to me. Because he's one of the few people that I know that actually um, is not offended of the gospel. Yeah. Like, he's not ashamed of the gospel. There you go. Um, he can take the gospel and he does not care who he's talking to. Yeah. He's going to say, this is what the Bible says, yeah. period. Period. Yep. Like I, I don't care if it hurts your feelings. Um, I don't care if you agree or uh, disagree. It's this is what God's word says, and I love it, and I'm going to enjoy it whether you like it or not. Which yeah. is
1: very countercultural right now. Right, and it, it's an
0: invitation too. It's not. Yeah. This is my way. No, he
1: doesn't do it with that intent. No. But that's yeah, sometimes it happens. You know? Right. Well,
0: and what I what I love about that is that we don't get a We don't get the option as believers to be ashamed by the word. Right. We right. don't get to be embarrassed by it. We don't. We don't get to nuance the uh, the difficulties out of it. Um, and that's one of the reasons that it has been so refreshing is to hear him. this oh, here, Here's somebody. And eventually, if you say what the Bible says and believe what the Bible teaches, people will say about you what they say about the Bible. And I don't know if you know this right now, but the Bible isn't that popular in America right now. <laughs> yeah. And therefore, if you believe what the Bible has to say about gender, sexuality, uh, a myriad of different op- or topics, then people are going to eventually say the same things they say about you that they say about the Bible. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so here, around this table we have people, and Jordan, I'll ask you here in a second. But we have people who love the Wilsons, and we all believe by believe in justification by faith alone, don't we? Yeah. Grace apart from works of the law, uh, by grace through faith, and and no way do we believe that works save us. In it I mean just in any way whatsoever. Um, and I, I just really have been thankful for for the Wilson family. Jordan, why have you been thankful? for the Wilson family?
3: Um, It started out with my friend Lexi sending me yoo for my birthday and read that and was like, oh my gosh, someone just being really blunt and honest. This is amazing because it was just very refreshing. I feel like a lot of things um, geared towards women are so just soft and scared to say what the Bible actually says and it was just incredibly refreshing. And from there, just went on to uh, Everything else. in Exile, <laughs> yeah. Loving the Little Years, Fit to Burst, the you who podcast, um, and on and on and on. So, um, it's just incredibly refreshing to hear, um, not that not that our works save us, it's not that, but that out of our joy comes obedience. Yeah. And sometimes that means God telling us to do things. Yeah. Yeah. Not that that saves us, but it does yeah. sanctify us um, when we obey yeah. the Lord. Um, so it's just been very refreshing.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Uh, we, we aren't just talking about this family cause we have a Wilson family crush. We kind of do, <laughs> We do. But, I mean, a little bit, uh, but we do a little bit, but that's just a common thing that God has uh, kind of spanned over the last few years. You know, starting with Mason and Bree a little bit first, but then kind of Jordan and I over the last year or so. And uh, just something we share that God has used that family, and I'm thankful for them. But now another thing, I'm still working through this. I am, uh, depending upon the day, I am an optimistic millennial guy, or I am full-blown post-millennial. <laughs> I was
4: wondering where
0: you. Okay. Going? I'm kind <laughs> of leaning towards 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 post post mill, but uh, and so the partial preterist post mill. Uh, but for you, what? Because you're post mill now, right? Yeah. He's okay. been full blown. He's Been full blown. Okay. Gotcha. Full so full-blown. what? <laughs> A while back we were talking we were like texting and you had mentioned that you know post millennialism has changed the way you view life okay it was the way you like see the world theme. okay no, but no, no, no. how like what cuz what way cuz no. eschatology i'm kind of late in the game in eschatology and i think a lot of guys are that would be listening into this are a little bit late in the game as far as this is a, a discipline in theology that that kind of gets put on the back burner and everybody just ends up being okay with being pan millennial, you know. Yeah. Piper's a pre mill, so that sounds good. I'll be pre mill, uh, you know. MacArthur's Disby, so I'll be Disby, uh, you know. Uh, and then R. C. Sproul ended up being a post mill. Um, But there's a lot of the all mill guys. Sam Storms is that. So you just kind of pick one and go with it. But it seems like post-millennialism, as I've really explored this, it it helps me think multi-generationally. It helps me uh, get kind of handles on life right now. Why life now, building the kingdom of God here right now, matters and actually seeing the kingdom of God in our midst. But why has post-millennialism changed your perspective and the way you live life? Well, everything you just
2: said... uh, but also keeping in mind that I grew up in a Pentecostally, charismatic, uh, dispens- dispensational, premillennial upbringing. So it was very much rapture theology. Yes. It, every, everything was the rapture. Everything was in times. My grandma, I don't want to throw her under the bus. She'll never listen to this bit. She, w- <laughs> she would give us calls letting us know, like, it's going to be this day, Be ready um, for the rapture. Rapture is going to happen. I can't remember. She said that... I'm trying to remember her name. Anyway, it was it was messy. Um, so um, as opposed to that, that's the, the big the di- big difference for me. It wasn't like oh I was raised an all millennial and now I'm post millennial and everything's changed. It was. Being scared, terrified, my whole upbringing that the rapture was going to happen and
0: I might be left (laughs) behind. Yeah. yeah. And the world is just a big flaming pile of trash and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse until God completely just sends a bunch of, you know, spirit infused A bombs to destroy everything. So, what's to lose if you
2: make it a little worse? Yeah. Uh, That (laughs) that was the big thing is um, it doesn't really matter because God's going to burn this whole place up anyway. So, what you do really doesn't matter. Just make sure you believe the gospel. If you don't, you're going to hell. Period. End of story. Yeah. Which is important. You should believe the gospel. Um, But there's implications to believing the gospel. You live it out. You don't just make this uh, statement of belief and then sit on it. You actually got to get to work. We got to, like I was saying, we have to cultivate what we've been given. All of life should be flowing out from the gospel, not sitting on it. We don't just go to church, listen to the sermon, and go home and wait that the rapture happens before next Sunday. Uh, we actually go out and live a life. We build up churches that, like you said, are built to last. We don't just get together and whip a pole barn together and say, this is our new church. It'll probably be gone in 20 years, so we're not going to do anything that's going to last. No, we, we build them out of stone. We build them to last. We ingrain this in our children. Um, and you can look through history and see that um, different generations have believed different just by looking at the architecture. Yeah. They used to build churches that were being built over 100 years. Yeah. I think that that is just a big testimony to the fact that we're still working. We're still
0: building the kingdom. Not, We built this giant mega church out of a pole barn. And, th- and their idea then is that the laborers that they put into that, people who built church buildings 200, 300, 400 years ago, they really wanted to invest in future generations right like and and literally down through you know the centuries right people have reaped the benefits of hard sweat labor from right believers because they built things like church buildings right and they
2: were loving their kids their grandkids their great grandkids through it they were building something to last it was almost like building up an inheritance for them yeah i just really value that side of post-millennialism and i know that it's probably having a big uprising now in our culture because it's so um, connected to like the whole save the world thing. Like, uh, but, but I think they're different. I don't think that it's the same kind of thing. Uh, but I think it is very attractive to, to so many people now because they're seeing, oh, actually, we do care about what God's given us, that God's world... Um, is good that he created it, called it good. We've messed it up and we're trying to undo that by God's grace. We're not trying to just keep making it worse and worse so he can burn it up and start over again. Yeah. He's redeeming it, reconciling what has already been created. Um, so he's, God is a God that restores. He doesn't just, he redeems. He doesn't just obliterate and start and make new. Um, that is that is the whole idea of what He done Uh, on the cross he came to bring out new creation but the new creation wasn't I'm going to obliterate the world I'm going to start this thing over here's the new man here's the new pattern follow Christ do what Christ um, has done and we know that we're not ever going to do that perfectly obviously Um, and there's still going to be sin all the way up until Jesus comes but that's what we're working toward that's what the kingdom of God looks like it doesn't just look like waiting for God to bring His kingdom after the rapture happens or whatever. It's God's working in the hearts of man right now. He's reigning, ruling, and He's putting all enemies under His feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed
0: is death. woo <laughs> Amen. Okay, guys, going to define the gospel for us, and I'm going to ask you each a question. Why do you love the gospel of Jesus so much? So the gospel is Jesus' substitutionary life, death, and resurrection on behalf of sinners... To the glory and for the restoration of the cosmos, for the glory of God. Why do you love the gospel of Jesus so much, ladies? First, ladies first. Ladies, why do you love the gospel?
1: Of, because the I would be here. I'd be sent to hell, and <laughs> it's saved my life. Just as it saved all of our lives here at this table, will save my children's life, and hopefully my children's children. And it's the only good news the only thing that brings joy and fulfillment. Mm. Without it, I'm damned. Mm. Yes. And I'm thankful I'm not.
0: Yeah. Jordan, why do you love the gospel of Jesus so much?
1: Mm. Reconciled with God. Um, mm. No more wrath for
3: me and just peace in life and relationship with God.
0: Amen. Mason, why do you love the gospel so much? That's such a big it question. Really <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: either, like, You like talk for an hour ahead? or you just say something real quick. Uh, it impacts not just um, afterlife and Bree would agree with this too it's not just he saved me from hell but he is saving he me he saved me from myself right he's yeah. saving me presently um, all of life actually has meaning through the gospel if we don't have the gospel we as, as Christians are most of all be pitied like if, if I don't have the gospel everything that I do actually becomes meaningless I don't yes. have purpose I don't have reason to live. I don't have reason to do anything. So it brings true hope. It brings peace. It brings joy. All the fruits of the spirit when you believe the gospel are then birthed in you and you can enjoy that. You get yeah. to actually love God. You get to enjoy him, the creation that he's given you. So it's, it just really brings meaning to life. If you don't yeah. have that, um, then you don't have anything. Yeah. All of life is vanity. It's it's
0: pointless if you don't have the gospel. Yeah. It's wonderful. And I'll cap it all off with just saying the kindness of God. He, he gave us. We're sitting around a table. And Jesus came and he purchased a seat at the table. We'll forever know one another. And we'll kick this thing off called the Restoration of All Things with a meal, a dinner. And we'll know each other. Like Mason, Bree, what's going on? Our kids, hey. <laughs> My friend Ryan said he had a dream a while back, and he looked over at me at the dream, and we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he looked over and raised his fist and said, We're here! We're here! here. Uh, we're forgiven. I'm a forgiven man, and I'm loved, and I have a Heavenly Father, and, and God's kindness is just, it's uh—it's pretty amazing. So, I'm thankful for Jesus. And I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful that I wasn't saved alone, but I was saved with a, and for a family. And so we love you guys very much. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Yes. And we managed First to do podcast. it, yeah. First we're,
1: podcast down. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Wouldn't have wanted to done it with anyone else. Our kids are pretty good. They were I mean. pretty
0: good. And there's been nursing happening at this table. Yeah, there's babies, been. <laughs> there's all right,
1: been going on babies. right now. to get snacks.
0: Valor came to me with his spoon and went, hi-yah. I think yeah. someone
1: cooped like, in there. <laughs> it smells pretty rank. So they <laughs> need our attention now. <laughs> well. So
0: now it's time for Mason and I to smoke and tip back a few. <laughs> I hope you guys have a
4: good day. And
3: I guess we're going to change the poopy. pooping. Okay,
0: (laughs) ladies, thank you. Goodness, it will help with that too. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.